As you're finding your seats, you can open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a black hardbound one somewhere uh, around you. It is my joy to wish you a happy Easter. It is so good to see you all. All right, so we do some kinds of responsive things here. And so I'm going to say, He is risen, and you respond back, He's risen indeed. He is risen. Right. The reason we do that is not only just to fill some time while everybody finds their seats, which they're doing, um, but it also helps us that we are meant to proclaim this message to one another. Right? This is, this is us coming together as a community, celebrating the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. This is um, supposed to be the most happiest of days. This is a celebration that all of you are invited into. This is supposed to be for the people of God, the, the party to end all parties. Like This is supposed to go down in history as just the way of rejoicing because Jesus is alive. We absolutely believe and are convinced that Jesus physically, bodily rose from the grave. This is not just some kind of spiritual truth that we use to encourage one another or some abstract piece of doctrine. No, Jesus is a person. There really was an empty tomb on that first Easter morning when the women disciples came to the tomb. I mean, there was an angel there saying, listen, he's not here. He's risen just as he said he would. And that has massive implications for us. That message spread from those women to his disciples who were fearful and grief stricken and they were hiding and Jesus being raised from the dead, combined that with his Holy Spirit being poured out really launched them into a movement of hope that has affected all people in all times, in all places. It made its way from 1st century Jerusalem all the way to 21st century Jonesboro, and it is good news for all of us. It's the reason that we are in the room. This is something that is impossible to overhype. Right? This is something that's impossible to give too much significance to. Um, a new book that I picked up this week and I was reading by an author named Jeremy Treat, he said this. He said, Jesus died for our sins, but Christianity rises or falls on whether or not Jesus still has a heartbeat. The Apostle Paul wrote, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Christ is still dead, then our faith is fake, our guilt is real, our hope is naive optimism. If the tomb is not empty, our story is nothing but a religious fairy tale, helpful only to numb the pain in a life that's too hard to bear. But listen to this. But Jesus is not dead. The tomb is empty. Christ died on the cross for our sins, but he did not stay there. He rose from the grave, defeating sin, Satan, and death. Just as the sun rises over creation, the Son of God rose as the dawn of the new creation. Jesus walked out of the tomb, and he has been changing lives ever since. The kingdom is advancing because the king is alive. And that's the truth. For, yes, absolutely. Worthy. Yeah of responding. Like, that's the truth that, that many in this room have believed in. But this is 
the power of Easter and what we're going to talk about. It's also something that God is inviting all of us to experience in a new way. So we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1. And um, part of the reason that I chose Ephesians is because they are a group of people and they are a church much like us. They are a group of people that are filled with fear, fear of the future, fear of failure. Um, they were struggling to really relate to who they were. And, and then this, this whole big idea, how does this fact that Jesus is raised from the dead, how does that affect a small band of Jesus followers in a world that's still very much filled with darkness, sin, and brokenness? And we're going to look at that and we're going to encounter a, a prayer that that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, and if you've ever, anytime that you encounter a prayer in Scripture, if you've ever wondered what God might pray for you, um, the prayers in Scripture, that's kind of how they function. So this is a prayer from the heart of God to the church of God in light of the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. So if you are able and you have your Bible open, would you stand with me? And the reason that we stand is just to, to give attention to his word. These words are special. These words are unique. These words are authoritative. They're the source of our life and our encouragement and our hope. And they shape who we are and what we are called to do. So this is a prayer in light of the resurrection. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places? And that's far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that we don't have a vain hope. We thank you that you are living and that you are active and that you are with us and that you are for us. Thank you for the power of the resurrection that lives inside of us and that leads us into your purposes. I pray that you would help us to live as resurrection Easter people with hope I pray that you would open our eyes to see beautiful things in your word. And more than that, that you would cause the same power that raised Jesus from the dead to change us um, from, just a, from just a vague sense of who you are to a confidence in who you've made us to be and what you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 1 is this beautiful picture of of all of the promises and blessings of God. Um, 
if you have ever wondered what God is doing in the world and what he would like to do for you and in you and through you, Ephesians chapter 1 is a great place to start. I mean, it has these stunning promises from God, these stunning declarations over us as if we as the people of God have been chosen personally by God to represent him that we have been adopted into his family as sons and daughters, that we have forgiveness, that we have freedom, that we have purpose, that we have an inheritance. And all of those things come to us because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. This chapter 1 is really bookend. After uh, an introduction where Paul introduces himself to the Ephesians, he says, you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he says that in verse 3, and then he follows it up in verse 23 with this stunning revelation that Jesus, through the resurrection, has been declared to be the king over everything. And it's through his victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave that all of his promises are real and true and they're for us. And listen, just as I was reading this this week, I was absolutely stunned by the fact that Jesus wants to bless us, right? He doesn't want us just to make it through, right? He doesn't want us just to limp across the finish line. He actually wants to bless us every step of the way. And all of those blessings and all of the promises of God come to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So how do we know that every promise is true? We know that every promise is true because Jesus Christ is alive. The resurrection is God fulfilling his promises to all of his people. Jesus being raised from the dead is the down payment of God's promise to make everything new, to heal all of the pain, all of the sadness, all of the brokenness of this present world. God is saying to every person in the room this morning, because Jesus is alive, he can be trusted. Right, Regardless of what you're walking through, regardless of what your story to this point has been, Jesus has been raised from the dead. And this is God saying, listen, I still care about you. Despite all of the sin and all the problems and all the brokenness you might be walking through, I still care about you and I still have hope in a future for you. And all of that is because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And really what Paul is praying here is that the Ephesians and ultimately us would have a new way of seeing. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, he's praying that we would have the eyes of our hearts enlightened so that we would know the hope to which he has called us to. God wants us to be able to see things the way that he sees them. He wants us to see things through the fact that Jesus is the king over everything that he has been raised from the dead. Now, um, four of the seven members of my family have some form of corrective vision, right? And um, I don't remember all of them, how that came to light, but there was one in particular that couldn't see at all, right? So um, I won't call them out, but this particular child... Like, we have a pretty big TV in our living room, like most, right? So it's at least 55 inches. But, well, I almost gave it away, right? (laughs) It it was Zoe, okay? (laughs) 
she would get right up in front of the TV like this. I mean, she absolutely couldn't see. And then, like, when I would have a conversation with her, I mean, she would be right in my face, like, you know, those uncomfortable, you know, close talkers, you know. Um, if you don't know if you're one, you can ask your friends that are around you if you're a close talker. Zoe was a close talker. And... Um, it was just obvious to us that she was having vision problems. And I remember the difference that it made going and getting her a, a pair of glasses and ultimately a pair of contacts. And it's not as if the things around her were different, but the way that she encountered them were different. And that's what the resurrection is supposed to do. It's supposed to change how we view everything. It's supposed to change how we view God. It's supposed to change how we view ourselves. It's supposed to change how we view God's purpose for the church, and it's supposed to change how we encounter the world. So God wants us to see things the way that he sees them, and he wants us to encounter him. So God wants to give us resurrection lenses to view the world through the lens of hope. And so we're going to look at four specific things that Paul prays for the Ephesians that they would see in light of the fact that Jesus is the king over everything. And the first is a relationship to enjoy. A relationship to enjoy. Look at verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. God actually wants people to know him, right? Part of the reason that Jesus came in the flesh is because God loves people. He desires to be in relationship with people. Um, other translations say of this verse that, that I pray that your eyes would be open so that you would know him better. That there's this idea that all of us are meant to have a growing relationship with God. Um, and, and the difference between, between knowing God and just knowing things about him, right, which a lot of us grew up in the South, a lot of us have just some kind of religious framework where we might understand things about God from the Bible or Bible stories, but what God is inviting us into is a life-giving relationship that helps us to move and operate in the things that he's called us to do. And the difference between knowing things about him and knowing him is the difference between like reading a menu, right, and actually eating the meal. I mean, I've been to several nice restaurants um, that when the description of what's on the menu is read to me, like it, it can make you salivate and it can make you want to encounter the meal, but it can never satisfy you. And so the resurrection is an invitation for everyone that comes to God to enjoy who he is. The resurrection means that God has fully accepted Jesus' payment on the cross for our sins. And so what that means for most of us is coming out of this reality that God is not angry with you. He's not disappointed with you. He fully and totally accepts you through the work of Jesus Christ. There no longer remains any barrier between you and God. Jesus Christ is the King, and He invites you to know and enjoying Him. This means that sin has been paid for, but for most of us it means believing what God says about you. That you are forgiven. That you are loved. 
For some of us in the room, knowing God better means letting him love you where you are. Not just what you think you should be, right? Not trying to clean yourself up and make yourself lovable, but that God knows you from the inside out all the way to the core of who you are. And if you have run to Jesus for life, he delights in you. Listen, we had um, an elders and wives gathering on Friday night, and we're just talking about the difficulty of encountering God's love. And um, yeah, one of the wives is reading this book, and it's so helpful. And, and she just brought out the point that, that knowing that God loves you is not just having some abstract concept that God loves you because God loves the world and God loves everyone, but it's that he likes you. He likes you. He likes how he's made you. He delights in who you are. And he enjoys the things that you enjoy. And it's just this beautiful realization that God wants us to know him better. Not some religious caricature of him, but actually knowing who he is. So this is a relationship to enjoy. Easter means that God has spared no expense to have a relationship with you. Not only does he want you to know him, but he fully knows you, fully loves you, and fully accepts you. All of that is because Jesus Christ is alive. So he prays, and God wants us to experience a a fresh realization that we can know him better through the resurrection, through what God has called us to be. So it's a relationship to enjoy, but he also compels us into a lifestyle of hope. Look at verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you would know the hope to which he has called you. The resurrection at its core invites us into a lifestyle of hope. And listen, (laughs) this has a chance to change everything for you and to change everything for the world. Listen, I grew up in probably the most cynical generation in the history of the world, right? I mean, listen to Kurt Cobain and Radiohead and all of the cynical poets of my generation. But listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ has the opportunity to move us from just people who are mired in cynicism. And listen, cynicism is the natural response to seeing the world. Like the world really is broken. But when you start to understand that Jesus is alive and that he actually has a purpose for you and for the world, it transforms us into being people of hope. Now, this this week I was just randomly listening to a podcast and it happened to be about disappointment. Right? And at first, I mean, just as soon as I heard the words, God just began to work in my heart and saying, listen, bud, you are carrying around a ton of disappointment. And it's impossible to be people of hope when you're carrying around disappointment, especially if your disappointment is in God himself, right? So often, right, we can mask our disappointment with people, 
right? And we can push them off to the side. But really, our disappointment lies at the core of who we are. We're disappointed with our lot in life. There are prayers that we've prayed that have gone unanswered. There are things that we thought should go this way that went this way. And God, in the midst of all of this, is inviting us into a lifestyle of hope that God actually has a plan. Like, that He's not just up there somehow, this thing's on autopilot, but despite all of the brokenness that exists in the world, the resurrection is God's declaration to all of us that he actually knows what he's doing, that he has a plan to restore and to renew and to heal all of the broken places in our story. And God wants all of us to move out of a a place of disappointment where we feel like we've been let down by God, letting him into those places and those spaces. And that's part of knowing God better and allowing him to work in our hearts and to heal us and to bring us to a place of hope, right? The only way that we're going to be able to be a people of hope to the world is to be a people of hope for the broken spots that are in all of our story. So he invites us to come in and to begin to experience this lifestyle of hope. And listen, to experience hope doesn't mean that you have to gloss over pain. That's the beautiful thing about the cross and the resurrection. God understands personally what it means to be despised and to be rejected and to be uh, separated from God and to absorb the wrath of God. He knows what it's like to experience pain, but he also knows what it's like to infuse hope because of the resurrection. And that's what it's all about, that God says, listen, I'm not going to leave you in the midst of your pain. I'm going to bring you into a place of wholeness and healing. So hope has to function for us, and that doesn't mean glossing over pain. That means being rooted and grounded in really the reality of pain, but then inside of that, seeing that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and that's for the places in your story that have brought you pain and brokenness and sorrow. Hope is not just a concept or an expression of faith. Hope is a person. Hope got up out of the grave that first Easter morning. Romans 5 literally says that God pours out hope into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And I love that imagery, like pouring out hope, right? Who of us doesn't need hope to be poured out onto our lives? Our city needs hope to be poured out on their lives. And hope will never disappoint us because Jesus is alive and he's ruling and reigning over the planet. And that's why, this cynicism will never protect you from pain. It will just keep you from hope. Jesus is inviting you because he has been raised from the dead to experience Hope, God is going to move and God is going to act. And that's meant to help us to become people of hope for the city. Listen, there's not a person that you're going to encounter this week that doesn't need hope, right? The world doesn't, they don't need happy, slappy Christians that are disconnected from reality, but they do need people that are absolutely rooted and grounded in both the brokenness of humanity and the hope that comes from Jesus. And that's what God wants to do for us as his people. So he wants to move us from disappointment to a place of expectation. So he gives us a relationship to enjoy, 
invites us and compels us to a lifestyle of hope. And then he gives us access to unlimited power through the resurrection. Look at verses 19 and 20. He wants them to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. God actually wants this power to be operative in your life, right? Not just some vague concept of power, but he actually wants to meet you and change you and move some stuff around. So, in Georgia, uh, I, I lived there several years ago. I had a friend. He was uh, a bodybuilder, and he was just—he was in these strongman competitions. And so, like every time I would go to his house, he would be like, you know, picking up beer kegs and trying to lift them over his head. Um, I've, I mean, there's all these YouTube videos of him trying to pull a fire truck like down the road, and somehow, now I, and I don't know why. Like, I think it's just knowing him. Like, I, he invited me to, into this power lifting meet. And, I mean, the reason that he did it was he wanted me to cheer him on. But there's this whole, whole subculture of people, like, inside of the weightlifting arena. I mean, they crack these ammonia pills and sniff them in. And they're like, Ugh! you know, they're ready to roll, you know. Um, and being in that environment, I don't know what it is, but it made me think that I could go out and lift weights. You know, so I mean, I'm talking, my friend can literally bench press over 700 pounds, all right? And so I'm there watching him, and, and sometime in the distant future after that, I decided that I was going to work out, and this was early in the morning. And so there's this, there's a reason that they have spotters. Do you guys know what a spotter is? That's like someone that can help you with the weight if you put too much on. And so I didn't think I was going to go, you know, I was going to do too much, but I, I put on like what I used to work out with in high school. And I just had this embarrassingly awkward moment, like at six in the morning when no one's around, having to try to wiggle out of the weight that was on top of me. So in that situation, right, that power was not transitive. Like, I didn't just inherit that kind of power, right, just from simply being around them. But listen, the resurrection of Jesus is absolutely different than that. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available and working in you, and you don't have to do anything to earn it. But the, 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 the trick for us is to actually believe what God says, that his power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, wants to change you and meet you exactly where you are. So the power of Jesus is at work and it's greater than everything that you are afraid of. Right? I said at the beginning, these, this is a group of people that are absolutely mired and steeped in fear. And God proclaims to them, listen, you have the same power living inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what's true, right? So what that means is there's no sin that you are battling 
or would like to put to death, that does not have to bow to the power of the resurrection. You actually possess the seeds of resurrection inside of your body through the Holy Spirit, and He can move us and change us, and He can do great things. And so, uh, also, Jeremy Treat uh, is reading this book. It's, it's amazing. He says this. He says, many Christians believe in the resurrection, right? And but they live like Jesus is still in the tomb. They may believe intellectually that he rose, but for all practical purposes, he is uninvolved as if he went back in the tomb for a nap. If Jesus is alive, it means there is power available to us that is greater than any challenge or obstacle we will ever face. So listen. Part of the reason that we gather in this room is to gather hope and to encounter a power that will change us. This means there's not ever a moment in your life, whether you feel it or not, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, that the power of the resurrection is not working in you. Right? And part of celebrating Easter is to call forth that power from you and allow you to live in the good of that purpose. So he does that to change us, but he also wants to change the world. The power of resurrection works in us, and then the power of resurrection is meant to work through us. Now, this is power to enjoy. This is also a story that he invites us to get caught up in. Look at verses 20 through 23. It's the power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things, all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So not only is this power for us to encounter, this is a story for us to get caught up in. The resurrection means that God is not finished with this planet. The hope that he's given us, the power that he's given us, is meant to flow from us into the broken parts of the world, right? So, um, listen, if you were honestly here, and and I know there's a ton, in the emptiness of the American dream, And just living for your own pleasure and your own individual happiness has left you empty and dry. Jesus invites you to get caught up into a better story. The resurrection means that he's going to make the whole world new. And you get to participate in that. We are carriers of the presence. That's what it says in verse 23. Jesus was declared to be the king. He is far above every rule, every authority, every power. He's far above all of those things. But part of the reason that he ascended into heaven after the resurrection was so that he could send the Spirit of God on his people so that his presence could go to every dark space, right? Jesus was just one individual God-man that was raised from the dead. But now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to be the church and we get a chance to proclaim resurrection to everyone that's around, right? So this is a story that God is inviting you into. And listen, there is nothing more satisfying, there is nothing more joyous than seeing resurrection 
come alive in someone else and seeing their story and their life change forever. You have the seeds of resurrection that is at work in you and it's meant to work through you. N.T. Wright in his book Surprised by Hope says this, Early Christians believed that the resurrection had begun with Jesus and would be completed in the great final resurrection on the last day. They believed that God had called them to work with him in the power of the Spirit to implement the achievement of Jesus and thereby anticipate the final resurrection. In personal and political life, in mission and holiness, Jesus was God's future arrived in the present. Then those who belonged to Jesus and followed him were empowered by his Spirit, were charged with transforming the present as far as they were able in light of that future. So this is a story that you're invited to get caught up into. That we have an opportunity as the people of God to have the resurrection power of God working in our lives and see that go out into the broken spaces of the world. We're supposed to walk through life as a people of hope. In our prayer guide this week, um, there was a quote from St. Augustine that said that we are Easter people, right? This is not just something that we do one Sunday a year, but this is a lifestyle that God is inviting us into. This is a better story than just living for ourselves. And he's inviting us to go into the dark spaces, not only of our own lives, but of our city and see him transform every single thing because he's not through with this planet. That's the hope of the resurrection. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us